Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. Before we get into the episode, I want to give a warm welcome to Tia Garajan to The Modern Manager community. I apologize if I have mispronounced your name. As someone with an unusual name myself, I know it is really frustrating when people try to read your name and they get it wrong. And in fact, earlier today, I was called Marnie because the person reading my name saw the M as an R and an N next to each other. But welcome, and I'm so glad that you have joined the Modern Manager community, and I look forward to helping you become a rock star manager with a thriving team. Now, today's guest is Nate Hirsch. Nate is an entrepreneur and an expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. He is the co-founder and CEO of FreeUp.com, a marketplace that connects businesses with pre-vetted freelancers in e-commerce, digital marketing, and a lot more industries. He has sold over $30 million online and regularly appears on leading business podcasts around the world. Nate and I talk about how to hire remote workers to grow your team's capabilities. And we talk about different types of freelancers and how to set yourself and the other person up for success, which is one of the biggest challenges when you're hiring someone in general, and especially when you're hiring someone who is not sitting next to you or even in the same building, state, or country as you are. Now, here is the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Nate. I am really excited to talk about how to hire online since this is such a huge part of how work gets done today. And I have a couple of people on my team who I've hired remotely, and I want to learn from you about all of this. I'm excited to be here. I love talking about hiring and managing, and it's something I'm passionate about. So it should be a lot of fun. All right. So let's start with some basics. What is it to hire online or to hire remote team members? Just just give me the framework for what that actually means. Yeah. So what's awesome about the gig economy now, and when I say gig economy, I mean all these remote freelancers, remote workers, remote virtual assistants, whatever you want to call them all over the world is you just get access to all this great talent from different locations, people with different backgrounds, different experiences, different business experience at different price points and really gives you a lot of options as an entrepreneur. Because even if you go back 10, 20 years ago, if you ran a business, maybe you opened up an office, you were limited to the talent in your town and maybe the towns around you. And not only that, but you were competing with all the other businesses for around you for that same talent. So the gig economy has really opened up the creativity of being an entrepreneur. It, it allows you to structure your business in many different ways, move money around so that you're, hey, I can outsource customer service and save money and hire a, a Facebook ad expert part-time or an agency to do my Instagram. It gives you so much flexibility in that sense. And I always feel like business owners are not taking advantage of it enough. I used to think that you needed to open up an office and get everyone in the same place to build morale and morale and build a culture and grow your business. But I'm doing the exact opposite now. I have a 35-person remote team. And yeah, it's an exciting time. So when you think about hiring remotely, and, and I've told people before, I have a virtual assistant and they're like, you use like AI to do that? I'm like, no, no, it's actually a person. <laughs> she just doesn't live in the same city that I live in. So she's quote, a virtual assistant. 
And that's mostly what I've heard people talk about when they're thinking about hiring remotely. So what are some of the other jobs that people hire, not just as like a one-off, but are there other kinds of work that people hire kind of more permanent team members for? Yeah. I mean, my customer service team, for example, they're located in the Philippines. They all work full-time. They have had a bunch of them for years. They monitor my Skypes, my emails, live chat on the website, everything that, that goes along with that. And we have other clients who do the opposite. They hire uh, someone to build a website one time and they never talk to them again. Or maybe they hire an Amazon expert to be in their back pocket. And it is more long-term, but it's more here or there whenever they need them. So you really get that flexibility. And if you can hire someone that wants the same thing that you want, it ends up being a really great relationship. Are there any jobs or tasks or certain things that you should not hire remotely for that it's actually better to have somebody in person right next to you? I'm biased when you ask that question because I'm, I'm entirely remote. I, I will say the one downside that I figured out from hiring all these remote, and I, I used to have an office, I had people there, I got rid of it, I moved it back to remote, is I attend conferences and I sponsor them. And the only way that I can go to a conference is if me or my business partner actually go, we don't have anyone to send there because everyone's remote. So that's the only downside that I've seen. Obviously, if you need a warehouse staff or a cashier or something like that, you can't hire remote. But I can't tell you how many brick and mortar stores use the free up platform to supplement their internal team and hire people that, hey, maybe they do their marketing or run their social media entirely remote, even though they do have that core in person. That's amazing. I haven't really thought about having a few people on the ground who need to do that kind of in-person work. Like, you know, some of the things that I run into my business, like I send a special gift to all of my guests. And when I do that, I have to go to the post office to mail them. And that's something that has to get done in person. But I could hire someone from TaskRabbit or something else to come and do that one thing. That's not enough of a reason to hire a full-time assistant here when the vast majority of the responsibilities can be done remotely and with a more flexible schedule. So I I like the idea of like supplementing one way or the other with either an in-person individual or a remote person, depending on what the work is. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I did that for years where I was packaging textbooks and I was packaging myself, shipping them myself. It it was a lot of hassle and I was struggling because I was trying to get away from the in-person team, trying to make it go remote. And and there are some adjustments that you can make to your business. I mean, there are different companies that can ship for you. There's FBA with Amazon. So again, you can get creative and there's not always a, a perfect solution, but sometimes you need to keep tweaking, keep, keep tweaking, keep, keep tweaking until you get your business where you want it to be. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about concerns because when I tell people that I have a virtual assistant, right, I already said I get a lot of like, oh, funny looks, you have a, an, an app or an you know, AI to do that. Um, but I also get a lot of concerns of things like, well, how does that work? Like, how do you know what they're doing and how do you make sure that they, they know what they're doing? So what are some of the concerns that you've run into with people and how do you respond to those or how do you solve for those? There's always going to be a risk, right? There's a risk that, that someone maybe steals hours from you or jeopardizes your business or isn't as productive as, as they should be or they're claiming to be. But with a business, you have to hire. It's the only way to expand your business. There's very few $5 million a year solo operations out there. So if, if you understand that hiring is the only way up and that being an entrepreneur is all about taking risks and putting yourselves in situations that don't always work out the way you want them to, you understand that hiring is no different. And when you take those risks and you 
treat things step by step and you build trust and relationships with people over time and you put in mechanisms to have due dates and set expectations and hey, measure productivity, whether it's a, an app that does screen sharing or, or just input at the end of the week and different reports, you can put steps in place to protect yourself going forward. So I have a lot of clients who they're all about, hey, I need every second of productivity and they do screen capture and all this crazy software to make sure all their VAs are doing everything they need at a given time. I'm the opposite. In my mind, I think they're less productive. I feel like I get more out of them by building trust. And if at the end of the day, they're not meeting my expectations, it doesn't take me very long before I realize it and, and replace them. And I don't have time to go through all their screen captures anyway. So there's pros and cons to each. There's no perfect solution. I mean, there's always ways to jip and get around every system that you can put in place. But again, you to the only way to grow your business is by hiring people. And hiring people, there's always going to be that risk. Absolutely. And it's the same as you're saying for in-person employees too. Like there's risk with every hire and you have no way of knowing just because they're sitting next to you that they're being as productive as possible. So it's it's almost like a false fear because people are people and they're going to do the work they're going to do. And as long as you have good systems and processes and you have trust, then, you know, you'll, you'll get the job done. And if they don't get the job done, then you'll, you'll not work with them anymore. Exactly. And, and I've had people that they, they just weren't the right fit. And I mean, for even the best freelancers in the world aren't the best fit for every single client in the world. You have to understand that. So as a business owner, you want to protect your investment. You want to find out, hey, is this person a good fit for me in day one, two, three, four, five, or week one or two, not in month three, four, five. So that's what you should be focused on. Hey, how can I maximize my percentage of success? Because no one has a 100% hiring record. It just doesn't exist. You're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen that are out of your control. So you have to focus on, hey, how can I improve what I can control? How can I make my hiring process better, my hiring funnel? How can I set expectations better? How can I monitor productivity? And, and hey, if something's going wrong, how am I handling those situations and taking a step back and getting on the same page? That's the stuff you have to focus on. And at the end of the day, if you hire someone, it doesn't work out. You learn from it, you improve your processes, and you move on with your business. All right. So let's talk really practical now. I have decided I want to outsource some aspect of my work. Like, let's say I want to outsource all of my social media management, and I probably need some, you know, a little bit of setup on some new platforms and a little, maybe a little bit of content writing and kind of posting and responding. And so I know this is a piece of work that's going to take me, you know, I currently spend a few hours a week doing it and I want to outsource it. What do I need to do to set myself up for success with a new hire and kind of finding somebody online and vetting them and onboarding them? You know, what are the practical things I should be thinking about? Yeah, I mean, I own a marketplace for freelancers called FreeUp and we pre-vet people. So obviously I use my own marketplace for talent and I encourage people to do it. But if you, no matter, even if I give you someone talented, if you don't know what to do with them after the fact, you're not going to get the most success. And it really comes back to, setting those expectations and knowing what you want. If you don't know what you want ahead of time, if you don't know what that perfect person looks like, if you don't know, hey, how this is how I want this project to get done, then you're really going to struggle. I've seen it time and time again. People are kind of browsing. They don't really know what they're looking for. They say, hey, I'll know it when I see it. Um, and they don't end up getting it. Now, once you've identified someone that you like, it's all about setting those expectations. And this is where everyone goes wrong. I spend a lot of time saying, hey, these are my pet peeves. Hey, this is what constitutes success or failure. This is how we communicate. This is what's expected of you across the board. And I hold people to that. And 
you have to remember that freelancers and people in the remote economy, one of the beauties is they have lots of different clients who all have different expectations, who all have different ideas of what's success and what's failure. So what makes one client happy doesn't make the other. And it's imperative that you as a client express that to someone upfront, ready to go, just so you're on the same page from the beginning. So those are the two things that I see people do wrong the most, not really understanding what you're looking for and not setting those expectations right from the beginning. So with my example, I'm like imagining all the things I've done wrong, right? So things like, do you need somebody to write your content or are you going to write it and you just need someone to post it? Do you need someone who can do graphics because you're also doing stuff on Instagram? Or do you need someone who can just do writing content because you're primarily on Twitter, right? I, like I'm imagining all of these little details that actually matter when you're looking for the right person to do the work and the right skill set match to the job. And then in terms of onboarding, kind of the same thing of, do you already have graphics and brand standards and things that you're asking this person to follow? Or is it kind of been a, a free for all and kind of whatever comes out of you and you're not giving them any clear guidance of what tone you like or what parameters there are for the kinds of content or the kinds of language that you use? Like all of those details matter in this situation and they, and they really do matter whether you're hiring in person or not. Absolutely. And that's kind of why I talk about identifying what you want. I like to say that there's three different types of people. There's the basic level freelancer that five to 10 bucks an hour, non-US, they might have years of experience, but they're really followers. They're there to follow your systems, your processes, your standard operating procedures. If you don't have those, you can't just hire someone and say, hey, run my Facebook ads for seven bucks an hour with no directions and expect good results. Then you got the mid-level, maybe that 10 to 30 range. These people are specialists. They do the same thing every day. Maybe it's graphic design or bookkeeping or, or content writing. You're not teaching someone to be a graphic designer, but they're not consulting with you either. They're doers. And then you got the experts, the 25 and up. They're there to consult, to project manage, to execute high-level game plans, to bring their own experience to the table. And I think where a lot of people go wrong is they hire a mid-level when they really need someone to consult. They hire a basic level when maybe they need a doer. They don't really have the directions to give them. And, and that's where a lot of things get messed up. So identifying what level you need and where you're at in your business is incredibly important. That makes a lot of sense of, of how prepared are you and what kind of work needs to get done so that you're hiring the right person to follow your practice, build your practice, or kind of do it or actually help you think through and design your practice. Yeah, um, every business is different. And some of the best teams are made up of the followers, the doers, and the experts. So let's talk about teaming then, because I think this is another area where there's often some confusion or um, just, you know, it's hard, especially if you have most of your team is in person and now you have a few people remotely. What are the best practices or what do you think about including your remote team members as full team members? So, you know, whether it's somebody like a virtual assistant who's mostly working with one person or a social media manager or a bookkeeper, do you include them kind of? in your team and you know on all your slack channels and in your weekly team meetings or do you see these people as primarily contractors who are kind of doing work separate from your core team yeah it's a great question it really depends my outsourced customer service team for example they're all full-time they're part of our team meetings my facebook ad expert that i have in the us and the agency that runs my instagram and twitter accounts they're not part of the meetings they, they're a contractor I meet with them one-on-one -on -one and get on the same page 
here and there, but they're not involved in the day-to-day -day activities and the day-to-day -day operations. So that's kind of where I like to, to separate that line is, hey, are they involved in that, the day-to-day -day operations of your business? If they are, they're probably that basic or mid-level outsourced virtual assistant, and, and I like to include them. If they're more of those doers where, hey, they're just doing graphic design projects for me, or hey, if they're one of those experts that's consulting with me and running my Facebook ads at a high level, I'm usually not including them in the team meetings. That makes a lot of sense in, in trying to right size it based on the work and their level of expertise. What about trust building? You mentioned before that you really need to build some set of some level of trust with people so that you don't have to be monitoring their work in such a granular way. So what are the, some of the ways that you build trust with having having these remote team members and and helping to build trust, not just with you as their manager, likely, but across the team? Yeah, I mean, trust is one of those things that it's so hard to figure out because building trust with one person is way different than building trust with another. I've had people where I've hired and day one, we hit it off, we click, we, we maybe we have the same attitude or we talk in the same way or whatever it is that, that we just, we understand each other and I can not have to repeat myself and you kind of slowly build trust in that way. And I've had other people that maybe have struggled from the beginning and we're not on the same page and it takes a little bit to get going and to understand each other. But then later on, that relationship is even stronger than that person that we were on the same page with before. So it's very much a case by case thing. I obviously recommend don't just hire someone and give them all your passwords and all your access. Do you want to build trust with them over time and give it to them little by little? But it's so hard to justify it. Like, hey, if this person does X, Y, Z, you can 100% trust them. Life just doesn't work like that. And it's a lot of learning your own management style and learning the type of people that you work well with in order to build those trust and those relationships long term. So another thing that I do with my team is to ask for feedback and to try and help them you know, improve in what they're doing, especially when it's a specific task or a responsibility that I've given them kind of, you know, are they doing a good job or not? When you have people who are either working remotely or they're working on, you know, one-off projects kind of as you need them. How do you handle feedback and guidance with those kinds of team members? Yeah, so I'll tell you a story. Back in the day when I had an office, I had a 50% turnover. People kept quitting on me. I was a young entrepreneur. I was 23, 24, and I couldn't figure out why. And I had hired the same person for the same position, third consecutive person who had quit on me. And he quit on me, and I asked him, hey, can you do an exit interview with me? And there's only one type of exit interview, and that's an incredibly uncomfortable one, right? You're sitting on, across the table from someone, you're mad at him for wasting your time and energy and money, and he's mad at you because he didn't like working there, and he obviously doesn't want to talk to you very much. But it was the best thing I ever did. I mean, he hit me to my core. He told me everything I was doing wrong in my hiring process as a manager, as a leader, as my culture, everything that was wrong with it. And it hurt. It hurt a lot. But I should have written that guy a check right there because the information he provided me saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars down the line and it helped me improve my, my retention rate to over 95%. And one of the last things he told me, which has just stuck with me to this day, he said, you know what? In the three months or four months that I've been here, this is the first time you've asked me for feedback. And that really stuck with me. So to this day, I ask people for feedback all the time. I think I annoy people because I ask people for feedback so much because I want to make sure are they happy. I want to know how can we improve? How can we get better? And people not only appreciate it, but it helps make everything better. It creates an environment where people are open and people come every day, not scared of their bosses. They're scared to make a mistake. 
I love that. I ask my assistant all the time, what can I do differently to make sure that you have what you need to do your work, to make sure that you're you're able to be successful and you know give to give me feedback. But it's sometimes hard when you're doing it over Skype or on the phone or via Slack. Do you have any tips for how to give feedback remotely, especially when you're the boss, if you're the manager, right? It's already uncomfortable because you're going to give someone feedback on what they're doing, but they kind of expect it. But then the opposite is much harder, right? Like, as you're saying, when it's hard to give your boss feedback. So any tips for how to do that remotely? Yeah. So I just ask. And when I'm working with someone new, I kind of set the expectation that, hey, we want feedback and we don't accept, oh, hey, like everything's good. I have no feedback. We'll keep pushing and keep pushing until we get that person to open up and really understand that, hey, it's part of our culture. It's not just an optional thing. It's required. We want to know not only about you and are you happy, but how can the business improve? We don't want to just hire robots. We want people coming in every day not thinking, hey, this is the way it is because Nate said so. This is the way it is because this is what we've come up with so far and we're trying to improve and get better. So sometimes it takes a little bit of prying to get someone out of their shell, but if you stick with it and you're persistent and and you're nice about it and you try to get them to understand that you're on the same side and it's more of a collaboration, that's what I found to be effective. And I'll randomly Skype people, kind of like you said with your assistant, just, hey, how's everything going? Hey, any, any feedback for me or after a big meeting? Hey, how do you think that meeting went? Just small things like that make a difference. Awesome. Well, we are coming to the end of our conversation. So I have a couple more questions. The first is, would you tell us about one of the wonderful best rock star managers that you've had a chance to work for and what made him or her such a great boss? Yeah, so I, I kind of have two. I have I used to work at the Aarons Corporation and Firestone. I've never had a real job after college. These were internships before college or during college. And with the Aarons Corporation, I had a boss who was, he could be anywhere. He could be on the golf course and you were almost trying to make him proud. That's the best way I can put it. <laughs> he would put you in a position where you wanted to crush it for him every single day. And I think I haven't really figured out how exactly he did it. I know he would hold Monday morning meetings and he would motivate people and he would do the small things and, and build relationships and want to hear about your family and, and ask for feedback. And he would know what's going on in the business at all times. And he would really make you own the goals. If you were in sales, you own sales. If you were in marketing, you own marketing. And it, it was so different than anything I'd ever experienced because he could take three days off and you still felt like he was right next to you at all times. Now, vice versa, I had a manager at Firestone who, while he was a great manager number-wise, he stressed everyone out. He would be over the top, over the shoulders. If it was his day off, he was calling the office every hour. If you messed up for a second, he would pull you into the back office and have a meeting with you. You were always on your toes. And while maybe it was effective number-wise, it definitely led to turnover and people didn't want to work with him long-term. So I've kind of seen both sides. And I think I'm in a unique position where I was so young where I had that really good manager that I didn't really appreciate it and understand the business side of it. And I worked so long for that manager that stressed people out that I think I have more of those stressed out tendencies. And when I started as an entrepreneur, I really had to work hard to get over them. And even now, every once in a while, those tendencies come back. And and I have a business partner, Connor, who who will sometimes keep me I guess keep me in line, even though I'm not sure that's, that's the best term. Just, hey, reminder, hey, you're, you're reverting back to old Nate, he calls it, because that's just the only real life experience that I've had. 
It's so good that you have someone who will help you reflect and see that your tendencies are maybe moving into unhealthy territory because it's not always easy uh, to self-regulate, especially when it's been ingrained in us for so long. So sounds like you we've learned a lot from some good and some bad managers because we can learn from both. And nice that you have someone to, to help you with that. Yeah, it, it really is awesome just having a partner where you have the same values, you have the same beliefs, but you have very different skill sets. You have very different personalities, which is good as well. Yeah. All right. So where can people keep up with you and learn more about FreeUp? Yeah. So if you go to freeup.com with three E's, my calendar is right at the top. You can book a free meeting with me to talk about your business and how FreeUp can help. On the back end, I mean, if you create a free account to hire people, hire freelancers, you get a $25 credit. Just mention this podcast and me and my team are there to make sure you have a great experience. Awesome. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Nate. This was really fun. I feel like I'm excited to go when I need to hire my next person and check it out on FreeUp. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a great time and have a great rest of the week. Since I recorded this episode with Nate, I have hired two people through FreeUp and it has been such a great experience. I highly recommend that you go to freeup.com for a free trial. And if you're a member of the Modern Manager community, you can get that $25 credit that Nate mentioned. There is a special code available to members on Patreon. So join at patreon.com slash modernmanager. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash modernmanager. And of course, when you do, you also get access to all of the previous guest bonuses and full episode guides. This is also the last week that you can join the community on Patreon at the current membership levels. So if you have been waiting to join, if you are one of those procrastinators, now is the time. For $5, you can get that $25 credit to free up along with all of those other guest bonuses. And starting December 1st, that membership level will increase from $5 to $20. But if you join before then, you can keep that $5 membership level with all of the same benefits as long as your membership is active. All of the links are in the show notes. And if you've subscribed to my newsletter, all of this information is also in your inbox. You can go to mamieks.com to subscribe and get more information. Lastly, if you have any feedback or recommendations, please send them my way. You can email me or reach out on LinkedIn as I would love to hear from you to make this show better, to bring on topics and guests that are most interesting to you. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit Meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.